0: The witch, the crone, the herbalist, the healer, the misfit, the enchantress, the sorceress, the wild woman. For centuries, the word witch has been demonized, ostracized and scrutinized, casting judgment on women who are connected to their personal power and are in tune with their cyclical nature And use their voice with confidence and integrity this discrimination against witches has successfully turned women against themselves and each other cultivating a deeply ingrained and inherited witch wound a witch wound that divides women instilling fear that convicts each other of our individuality and creative expression but not anymore in recent years Women have been initiating their power by awakening their bodies to desire, which is their source of intuition, and the magic of their periods. Building self-trust by strengthening self-connection, fostering courage to reach out and cultivate community with other like-minded women, slowly but surely erasing the wounds that tore us apart in the first place. Being a witch isn't criminal, but depreciating them is it's the witches of the world that are protecting the planet advocating for minority groups and cultivating ethical wealth that's shared and given back to the collective it's time for the rise of the witches it's time to reclaim the witch you are listening to the wealth witch podcast hey there boo I see you, I hear you, I feel you. You're invited to join me, Amber, your host on a journey of transmuting your witch wounds into wealth. I'm so fulfilled by sharing conversations that initiate you to release judgment and deepen your connection with pleasure and passion. With this podcast, you will find inspiration to awaken the magic of your desires, embody integrity as you expand into leadership, and manifest purposeful and ethical wealth in all of its forms. We are going to talk about the energetics of all things money, menstruation, and manifestation, because your ability to receive and accept money is manifested in your relationship with worth and value. So if you're a witchy woman excited to enrich your life with wealth, womb wisdom, and woo-woo shit, then you've been divinely guided to let go of the distractions that are stopping you from embracing a life of intoxicating abundance. Stick around, boo. Are you ready to awaken the wealthy witch within you? Hello witchy soul! Welcome back to another episode of the Wealth Witch Podcast. My name is Amber and I am your host on your journey as you transmute your witch wounds into wealth and I am so happy and passionate about this episode that we have here today. I have a very special and joyful guest on today. Her name is Lizzie Kangro. She was previously on the podcast back about a year ago we were talking about Reclaiming the Rebel and now Lizzie is back for another episode with the new with her new book that's coming out called Reclaim the Witch. Lizzie and I have a beautiful, orgasmic, passionate conversation talking about all things, what does it mean to reclaim the witch, talking about the witch wound, sharing the stories about getting our periods, being on hormonal birth control, coming off of hormonal birth control, and talking about the benefits and really the embodiment of what it means to love your period and to experience health and wealth from loving your period. This is such a near and dear conversation to me. I love this conversation with Lizzie, her and I have been planning to record this for a little over a month now and I'm very excited to present it to you. So to give you some background information on Lizzie, if this is your first time connecting with her, Lizzie is a multi-award winning author. She's an expert nutritionist and wellness witch whose passion and purpose is to help women reconnect with the magic housed within their incredible bodies so that they can achieve more inner joy, peace, and love for themselves. She holds a master's in natural sciences from the University of Cambridge, and a master of science in nutrition from Kiggs College London, and she combines science with an empathetic understanding and a side of woo-woo wisdom to help women let go of the anxiety of not feeling enough and confidently stepping into the body they love. You can find Lizzie's new book Reclaim the Witch by clicking the link in the show notes or visiting reclaim the witch.com it is available for pre-sale and it is coming out officially on this halloween october 31st 2023 which i think is fucking boss (laughs) all right without further ado i'm excited for you to dive into this episode and talk all the things witchiness periods sexuality pleasure desire it's all juicy. It's a juicy episode. So without further ado, please give a warm welcome to Lizzie Kangro to the Wealth Witch Podcast.
1: Hello. Hi. Hi. How are you?
0: I feel so good. I'm so excited.
1: Yay! I'm so excited too. I've been like looking at my calendar going like oh, this week is the week. <laughs>
0: well I'm glad that we are on the same level
1: (laughs) yeah oh my goodness like when I got your message after I sent that email I you know when something just kind of like lights you up inside I was just like oh this is amazing so I've been looking forward to this for a long time so thank you for inviting me back and yeah doing everything that you do I feel like there's been a lot of growth for us both since the last time (laughs) that we recorded this. So I think it's really cool that we're doing another episode again.
0: Yeah, totally. Hmm. We're actually already recording.
1: (laughs) Oh yeah.
0: (laughs) yeah. I'm so excited you're here. We're talking about how to love your period by reclaiming the witch. I would, first of all, welcome back to the podcast it's actually it's got a new name it's not called the confidently you podcast anymore it's called the wealth with podcast <laughs> and so i feel it's so fitting that you're here now thank you welcome
1: well thank you so much for having me and for inviting me back um as we were saying before like it's super cool that we're able to chat about something that's so passionate to both of us and that you know, um, you have now really kind of like stepped into your power of helping other women um, with their abundance and kind of rec- reclaiming witch as a word to you and I'm excited about talking about the word witch, what it means um, in terms of health um, as well as well and mm. so yeah thank you so much for having me.
0: Mm. That leads me to what I want to open up to talk about is what does it mean to you to reclaim the witch? Because I feel like there's such a misconception about what that word means. And some people find that word a little bit triggering. And I, I know what it means to me, but I'd love to hear what that means to you.
1: Yeah, so it, it it's interesting because when I wrote Reclaim the Witch, That was the first thing that i knew about the book i knew what it was going to be called um because my first book reclaim the rebel really came out of the writing process the title came out of the writing process and it was all about rebelling against the diet industry and our own enemy girl whereas reclaim the witch is literally about reclaiming the word which because as you said it is a very triggering word it has very negative connotations it's kind of got um a lot of dark shadow aspects um hollywood hasn't helped in terms of its portrayal as um of the archetype of a witch um but to me a witch is a woman who trusts her intuition who is able to manifest whatever she wants in life and is able to um really be in um close communion with herself and her body and the cycles within and around her. So the natural world, the moon, her cycles. Um, And I think over the centuries and decades, we've sort of lost our connection with our intuition, with the cycles and seasons within and around us. and been taught to play small, to be ashamed of who we are and our bodies. And I think this whole process is about reclaiming that and reclaiming the physical word witch. So
0: mm. that was like probably one of the best articulations I've ever heard of someone talk about the witch. Thank you. Oh, thank you. I <laughs> I feel like I needed that. I needed somebody to to articulate that for me. Cause admittedly I I feel like I unconsciously understood everything that you said but the only way that I've really been able to articulate it is that the witch in its in its original context is my understanding is that it meant healer And the woman that you go to, the village healer, right? The one who mixes the herbs, the one who heals the wounds, et cetera, and brings the sick back to health, that sort of thing. And so when I was in my process of reclaiming the witch, Um, My name is also Amber, and Amber, for medicinal properties, is used for healing, and so to me, there's that small intimate connection between the word witch and the word and name Amber, and felt very empowering to me that, like, and I've always had this witchiness side of me, too, and um, being, like, a really sensitive person, really connected to energy in my environment, really sensitive to nature. And so for me, it was all about connecting with your, with your inner compass, your inner intuition, your inner, your inner healing capacity. And so naturally when I rebranded my company to The Wealth Witch, it was really about leading women to transmute their witch wounds into wealth and that's wealth in all of its forms, you know, I put a focus on financial wealth, but that's also meaning social wealth, health wealth, and time wealth, there's going to be that domino effect in your life when you when you start to transmute those witch wounds.
1: Oh my gosh, I love that so much. And I love how you said that it really is a a process of transmutation and um, an alchemy where we're sort of like healing some kind of really deep, Um, intergenerational wounds um, in all aspects of our life and once we sort of touch on one area it really has a domino effect in in so many others so I love that you sort of mentioned that because um, it's so true once we sort of um, heal an area of our life that kind of you know seeps into another area and then another area and then all of a sudden we're going through this or the rebirth, and um, we're able to sort of up level. I think that's what a lot of the personal development industry is: um, is people wanting to grow and wanting to develop. But it really does take a lot of courage um, and ovaries to be like, "Oh, I'm going to really go into um, some of these very, very kind of triggering deep." Wounds that maybe have been sort of encoded in our DNA for for centuries. Um, I mentioned in in Reclaim the Witch that there was a study, um, it was called the Cherry Blossom Study. I don't know if you've heard about it, but no, I haven't. um, Essentially, researchers at Emory University exposed mice to the scent of cherry blossom and isn't very humane, but they essentially gave the mice an electric shock as well. And so these mice learned to associate the shock with the smell of cherry blossom. They then um, bred the mice and their offspring were not exposed to an electric shock, but every time they were um, exposed to the smell of cherry blossom, they had the same response, that same trauma response as the, their parents. Mm. And then they bred these mice again and the same thing happened, no exposure to the actual trauma, but the trigger, the um, the cherry blossom, was, um, you know, causing these mice to behave in a way that they were traumatized. Um, even that it showed up physically in their bodies, so their noses had more receptors that um, sensed cherry blossom. So we're not necessarily the product of um electric shock trauma we're the product of the persecution of powerful women trauma um and so once we are able to really like look in the mirror and heal that um then not only is that beneficial for us but it's beneficial for the women that came before us and who are coming afterwards our, our children and our children's children
0: mm. yeah that's Fascinating to me. So I just right. completed my my trauma-informed coaching certification. And surprisingly, I did not learn about that study. But that really speaks to intergenerational trauma and how trauma really is both DNA cellular, cellular level, but also energetically passed along your DNA. And how you don't have to physically yourself be exposed to a type of trauma, but you really inherit that blueprint in your DNA. So, when we're talking about wealth, how, you know, if your parents or grandparents grew up in poverty, you maintain that wealth blueprint. And it really takes that extra push or that extra mm, pulling yourself up by your bootstraps to elevate the quote unquote class that you were born into to really change your blueprint. You have to evolve. Your blueprint, or people that were born into wealth, how it's easier for them to be able to maintain that level of wealth. Sure, they're born privileged, so naturally they're they're going to be more financially supported. But you know, um, I look at Taylor Swift for an example. She was she's like the biggest music star in the world right now and she she was affluent born into an affluent family and her father invested a bunch of money for her to start her music business but she she is one of those people that came into a lot of money that didn't have like a financial spiral she was able to like continuously build wealth because she grew up in a household where wealth was safe her like there wasn't that money trauma going on there it was safe for her to keep growing wealth and for for that to blossom for her because she didn't have that that poverty blueprint which I think is really fascinating also when looking at like not just trauma but everything that we inherit from from our ancestors
1: yeah the stories as as well as the behaviors like they all kind of culminate together to, I love how you use the word blueprint, um, because that's kind of like what we're exposed to. And that's kind of what forms our identity and our behaviors. And then we just play that out until we make some subconscious shifts in, in those stories in that identity and, and and do that. Um, so yeah, I totally agree. I think it's so, so interesting that, um, It can just be what we're exposed to. I mean, I talk about it in the context of, you know, our stories about our body and how we look after it and our health and our behaviors around, you know, criticizing our bodies, like some of the stories we tell ourselves about um, how our body should look, um, maybe in the context of like um, chronic health conditions, you know, some families, yes, there is a genetic component, but there's also a lot of family stories around, well, this runs in the family. And so it's inevitable for me. Mm-hmm. And you sort of go, well, is it really, is it inevitable for you to develop breast cancer, diabetes? Yes, you know, there is a genetic component, but a lot of that genetic component can be overridden by our environment and also what we tell ourselves um so yeah I think it's it's fascinating for sure in in lots of contexts of, of our lives
0: yeah and like playing into that idea or expanding on your idea about like adhering to a certain societal standard of beauty the stories that were fed about certain societal standards of beauty and then like pairing that with the witch wound, all of the judgments that we place upon ourselves if we don't adhere to certain societal standards of beauty. One that I find particularly fascinating, especially since I'm I I'm, I'm now work have a, a different approach in the way that I'm working with clients. It's very much so body focused. and the, the clenching that women tend to have in their abdomen, because of, and it's so it's so subconscious until you tell them to release it. And because in our society, women are so told that you have to have a tight abdomen and look a certain way in your abdomen, even though we are naturally designed to carry more fat so that we can give life in that area of our bodies. We're naturally supposed to expand and contract in that area of our bodies. But women hold so much tension there. And what that does on an, I mean, physically, I mean, it's obvious what it does, you're clenching this area, but you're also energetically restricting your creative life force energy. And and that restricts your power, you know, and feeling that like reclaiming of the witch, like you are reclaiming your sense of personal power, letting yourself come in to your forward-facing body without holding the tension there. The client that I was working with the other day, um, I had her do this exercise and we moved into her forward-facing body and she got really uncomfortable with grace. Like she she was willing to, to go there and explore that part of her, but she said that it felt like uncharted territory. It was like foreign to her and that's where the discomfort came from. And that's your 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 future energy your forward-facing energy what you're looking to embody the power that you are stepping into it was foreign to her and so that is so prevalent in our society and it's become something that i'm likewise fascinated about but really passionate about helping women to release but step into that energy of themselves
1: I love that you're doing that because when you were describing the cost of us kind of like holding ourselves in and restricting and almost like wanting to hide that creative life force, I literally felt like this contraction and it was just sort of like, it it feels so painful and sad to me that we've been um, conditioned to feel this way. Um, because as women, we, I, I think it kind of relates to what we were saying, um, earlier about sort of being taught all of this stuff and having this external noise about how things should be it is like, we're very kind of like externally focused as a society in general. And Ooh. what I hear you're doing is you're helping women come home to themselves, to, come in and root down and really experience what it's like to be in your power, to not give your power away to external sources. Um, And I think that is just, that's the key to unlocking your power and living a aligned and peaceful and joyful and loving and juicy life is to be able to self-source, to be you know coming from your center and then like a flower sort of blooming outwards as opposed to being the black hole and sort of like starting from the the outside and trying to kind of like fill yourself up through that sort of external force that's never going to work you're never going to be truly fulfilled but when we're able to start from the inside and be full of ourselves a story that we've been taught You know, that's a bad thing when we're able to fill up and expand. Guess what? We feel great and everybody else benefits.
0: Mm. I feel like you just put a whole new flavor in my mouth for the idea of of being full of yourself.
1: (laughs) Right. That That sounds just more like mm, it's like a sort of rich, dark chocolate to me. It's like, delicious (laughs) delicious <laughs> and just kind of indulgent almost but it shouldn't be it's um, pleasurable. it should it's pleasureful and that's something again you know talk of periods and pleasure and all of the kind of all of that side of being a powerful woman that's been put in the same shame category as which I feel um we're not allowed to talk about pleasure and periods and orgasms, you know, and we Mm -hmm. have to, you know, hide that part of ourselves. But guess what? That's part of being a a woman. Um, And, you know, not not necessarily going political, but, but, you know, if a woman isn't full of herself and fully abundant, then she doesn't benefit. Feminine energy doesn't benefit. And as a result, you know, Men, man, woman, children, nobody benefits, right? Because we're not living that fullest and truest expression of ourselves. Um, And so, yeah, I think that's it's so important to reclaim it all, you know, reclaim the pleasure, reclaim the um, juiciness and the full bodiedness which we were talking about you, you helping your clients with as being in this body to be embodied.
0: Yeah. I feel like, so looking at the, even the words that we call our female anatomy, the most common words that people understand or people know is vagina, but that's an anatomically inaccurate. That doesn't fully describe our full Well, the best word that English has to describe is vulva. Um, I prefer like yoni. Yoni is the Sanskrit word that like Mm -hmm. fully encompasses what it means. But before the word vagina existed, there was, okay, trigger warning people here, cunt. (laughs) The -hmm. word cunt in its original context was meant to describe the female anatomy. It was the anatomical term. And then they, at some point, um, I don't fully know the history on this, but I feel like there was a coinciding with, like, witch coming in here. And um, and then the word vagina was introduced, which actually meant sheath. And a sheath is a place where you hold a sword. So it's mm-hmm. an insertion point or an entry point For a male penis so that takes the power away from the female anatomy suddenly it has a utilitarian use for a place for a man to insert his penis and there is a um there was a condescension with that word and then the vagina using it intentionally in that way the word vagina was then used to in more of a dirty context we started to see a dirtiness being associated with female anatomy. And this is like what I see the origination of women being disconnected from pleasure and being disconnected from intuition because pleasure is a body intelligence. Pleasure is something that informs intuition to tell a woman whether or not she is safe in her environment for self-expression Or if she needs to hold herself back. So when you're disconnected from pleasure, you're disconnected from personal power. But now like even when you use the word pleasure, like people get an icky feeling associated with it like pleasure and there's like an automatic reaction. Oh, you're talking about sex. And it's not just about sex. I mean, yes, it is inherently sexual because we are sexual beings. We have a sexual anatomy and our intuition is core, informed through sexual organs. But that doesn't mean it's only used in sexual context. We need to really get out of that narrow-minded paradigm where pleasure is only in used in that sexual context.
1: Right. Yeah. I mean, I get pleasure through moving my body, dancing, eating delicious food, creating. Um, there are so many different forms of pleasure that we can experience on a daily basis. And yes, sex is is part of that. But yeah, I think, you know, this narrow-minded viewpoint of pleasure and the function of female anatomy um, is, is just very... Um, it's not serving us. It's, it's outdated. It's patriarchal, yes. Yes, mm. we can use that word. And and by patriarchal, like I feel a lot of um, men can feel a little bit attacked and this is not man bashing. Mm. I like to talk about patriarchy as not a gender, but an agenda. Um, and it's mm. to keep everybody in line. It, it's keeping everyone in line, not just women, it's men too. It's keeping us um subservient, keeping us restricted, keeping us all in line. And we don't want that. Like we want to have the freedom to experience all forms of pleasure, all forms of whatever you wanna talk about. Like we have been put on this earth as incarnated souls in a human form to have a full experience. And these systems are just trying to control that. And I don't know about you, but I don't want to be controlled. I want to <laughs> I want to have a, a full expression of, of who I am and, and live out my life in the way that feels good to me.
0: Yes, in a way that feels purposeful, authentic, and um positive for everyone that is in my life.
1: Yeah. I think um I think it was Roosevelt that said Um, don't ask what the world needs, ask what makes you come alive and go do that because what the world needs is more people who have come alive. Mm -hmm. Um, I I just love that quote because it, it, again, you know, it's coming from a place of serving humanity at a whole and also making sure that your light is shining and we all have a unique light. And I think that, is in essence and it's distilled from what reclaim a witch is going back to what we were talking about right at the start of this podcast and you were saying a witch is a healer and a healer is somebody who has gone through a journey found a collection of tools that have helped heal him or herself and now shares it with world in my in my view that's what a healer is and that's what we see played out in the movies right like the Mm -hmm. hero's journey or the heroine's journey Um, um and and yeah I think that is probably the 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 essence of of the witch she is there to um to serve herself and to serve others and I don't know about you but again like I, I feel like if I can look back on my life and and say that I did that in a genuine authentic and vulnerable way then I'll, I'll be very very happy mm. yes that inspires my I
0: kind of want to shift to before we got on to this podcast I was looking at your Instagram story and wanting to uh, fill. Feel- yes fill myself up a little bit with your energy before we came onto this podcast and you were sharing your period story. And there's Mm -hmm. a really important question that I want to ask you after you share that. um, That's going to like tie back to what the witch stuff that we were just talking about. But I'd love if you could share your period story and how you got to be at this point where you're now loving your period and inspiring other women to love their period
1: yeah so um essentially my my period story started when i was 14 years old and um i i had my first period um and it was something that really wasn't taught very much in in schools as to how to like what a period was and what it meant for you in terms of um, being a woman and the power of the period um, it was just something that i was Aware of oh it means that you're going through puberty and you know every month you'll have this thing and it means that you're not pregnant that was it so had my first period and was kind of like oh it's they said it would be here and it's here and then um during that time I'd actually started to develop um an eating disorder I had anorexia turned out to be about 10 years that I had it so um those who know a little bit about eating disorders is it's very very common um, to lose your period because you're not fueling your body in a way that it feels safe enough to reproduce um so I lost my period um during my eating disorder and I was told that because your period is is your fifth vital sign it's actually been recognized by the American college of gynecologists it's a part of showing your overall health picture um because of that um all of my care team were like well when you get your period back that's a sign to us that you will have recovered and through most of my eating disorder i just wanted people to see me as recovered um mm. and i want to be left alone um and so my period was my sort of like something that I really craved because to me that was going to be my way of just being left alone um, and I could again kind of shrink into the background Um, and so about I think like seven years into this eating disorder I started to get um, really bad lower back pain and I went to the doctor and they gave me a bone scan And the bone scan results um, showed that I had developed osteoporosis in my lower back. And they said as part of the treatment that um, I needed to go on hormonal birth control because estrogen is really important for um, helping bone, bone density. So I was like, Oh, fantastic. I'm going to have a inverted commas period um, because we know hormonal birth control kind of gives you a fake period. Um, And so that was my way of going, ha oh, look, I'm fine. Um, look, I've got a period now. And I stayed on hormonal birth control even after I had recovered and my body had, you know, all the other physical signs were kind of there that I was well again. Um and I really stayed on this hormonal birth control for probably the best part of, again, 10 years, um, because I found it a very safe and comfortable thing to fall back on and go, you know, oh, you know, I'm fine. Leave me alone. I don't want to be bothered. I don't want to question, um, you know, my body. And it's a way of really kind of like exerting control over it um, until I started to really dig deep into um, what the pill does, question um, what pharm- the pharmaceutical industry is sort of like, it's its impact on my ability to really come home to my body and nurture it to its fullest. And so I decided to come off of the pill. And um, during that time, I was kind of really, reassessing what it meant to nurture my body. So this is like years and years and years, even after recovering from an eating disorder, it was like a new level of understanding and coming home to what my body needed to feel safe. Um, So I came off the pill and I was expecting, because I had been on it for so long and I'd had um, such a long eating disorder, that it wouldn't come back for a while. You know, that's something that I kind of read about. And I was like, okay, like, I'll just be patient. But bang on, day 28, (laughs) I got my first natural period in probably over 15 years. And I started crying because I was just like, wow, isn't the body just incredible at healing? I put it through so much I put her through so much but she she came through and I really wanted to share this because um not only did I want to kind of like share it because I don't want women to be ashamed of their period and their period story but also just realize the immense capacity to heal your body and to heal your relationship with it um, even even after years or even decades so yeah, a little bit about my story um, and really how I kind of went to new levels of depth in understanding um, what she really needed to thrive.
0: Mm. Thank you for sharing that. Can I ask you how long ago did you choose to come off of birth control? Like how many years ago was that?
1: Uh, So it was December. I chose to come off actually the universe kind of forced my hand I was already thinking about doing it um and then I got a notification from CVS (laughs) saying um we couldn't fulfill your prescription um go to your gynecologist and I couldn't make an appointment with my gynecologist until my prescription like it was a few months wait time so by then my prescription would have run out and so I was like all right universe you know I hear you thank mm. you I'm just gonna you know go off of it so it's been recent um so yeah maybe six months
0: six or months, so
1: five months yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah yeah
0: I'm I'm so curious and I'm hoping because it's a, still a little bit fresh in your mind that you'll have a fresh recollection of it I hear so frequently. Women coming off of hormonal birth control. It was like almost 10 years ago for me, so I don't fully remember the experience when I came off of birth control. But I'm so curious about if there was a shift in consciousness for you mm. after coming off of that. Did, what sort of things did you notice that might have been different for you? So, like some examples, did you notice more sexual pleasure? Did you notice that more colors were vibrant to you? Did you start to make more? connections in your everyday life i'm so curious about to hear your experience with
1: that yeah oh my goodness i love that question so so much and i'm curious um what your answer is as well i'm gonna ask you um but yeah so first things first yes i noticed sex was different it was more comfortable for me um I was okay so I was on the pill for maybe like eight years and then I moved to the ring so I was on the ring most recently for about two years um because I moved to the states and the pill that I was on in the UK wasn't available in the states and I shift to what was the equivalent in the states and oh my goodness it I was so anxious and it really messed with my mental health so I switched to the ring Um, but once I had stopped hormonal birth control completely, oh my gosh, sex was so much more comfortable and just enjoyable because it didn't feel, I don't know, it just felt different. Um, so that was, that was that. And then, um, I've been tracking, so I use a journal to track my basal body temperature every day and also track like how I'm feeling um, in my body, in my mood, in my um, spiritual energy. And I've noticed that especially kind of on particular mm, phases of the moon. So actually when the moon is in Leo, which is actually today, um, I tend to get a lot more creative downloads. And that also happens kind of towards the end of my cycle and the beginning, so the kind of like day twenty seven to day three, I get a lot of like intuitive hits, and it's almost like I don't have, you know, enough time to get it all like downloaded and onto paper because it just comes through so, so quickly um, mm. and so abundantly, and it's it's super cool. Um, and just be tracking if, if the listener is someone who doesn't track, please track your cycle for like two to three months at least. And just like, see if you notice any patterns because it's, it's all data, right? And it's all data that's empowering you to know your body a little bit more. And so once you start looking you go, oh my goodness, wow. Isn't that cool? <laughs> and that kind of forms a whole new appreciation of your body. Um, and then it's also knowledge is power. So guess what? Like I know that during day twenty-seven to day three, I'm probably gonna wanna be sat around a notepad or um, have my phone close by and not to write down ideas. So mm-hmm. I think it's so powerful. Um, and yeah I would love to know what your experience is. As
0: okay I'm going gonna to... answer that question but first I want to I have some feedback about everything that you just said. It, okay. just lit, <laughs> it lit me up so yes. much. Um, well first of all I'm so happy for you that sex is more pleasurable <laughs> and that um, you're tracking. So I have a program called Money Menstruation and Manifestation the 28-Day Method and it's essentially Twenty-eight different manifestation practices or spiritual hygiene tools that coincide with your energetic fluctuations throughout your cycle, and when you are menstruating, so like day one, you for you this happens around day between days twenty-seven and day three. You're hormonally at your lowest. You men- menstrual wise, you're hormonally at your lowest. This is when your brain is figuratively a blank slate. You have The most amount of capacity to receive. This is your yin, your deepest point of your yin energy, your receiving energy. This is when you are meant to rest and prepare to receive intuitive downloads. So, when I'm in my program, literally on day one, you do nothing. There is no manifestation practice. You're literally just supposed to be open to receiving downloads because that is when menstruation is when you're going to rest and receive those downloads but then come follicular phase you're going to start planning on those intuitive downloads that you receive during menstruation and you're going to start playing with them getting adventurous with them and start putting them into action and then an ovulation phase is when you're going to like bring them to life you're going to start sharing them with other people you want to be seen in these creative and powerful ideas you want to integrate Those ideas, and then in luteal phase again, you're starting to move towards that receiving energy. So receiving the feedback, receiving the benefits of the last two weeks that you just spent working towards. Now is your time to receive the rewards from that creative work that you put through. So I love that. I love that that is your lived experience, but this also feels like validation for me.
1: (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) a hundred percent.
0: Yeah, validation for me that, like, that is yet another woman that I've come across who doesn't know, like, about my program that is totally experiencing, intuitively experiencing exactly what I preach about. So, I love that. Now, to answer your question, so I went on, I went on hormonal birth control when I was 17, and I, I had irregular periods before then. And I had kind of always had irregular periods. I think I got my first period when I was 12-ish. Yeah, it was about 12. But I, I didn't develop like that regular 28-day cycle. Sometimes Sometimes it'd be like bang on 28 days. Sometimes it would be longer than that. Um, I was sexually active, like starting around 15, even though I always used protection, there was always that like nervous, excuse me, that nervousness, like, Oh, my God, am I, am I pregnant? And I'd be freaking out just, you know, young teenager. And yeah. um, I too had an eating disorder, though. So that could definitely have been playing a role in why I was having an irregular period. And so by the time I was 17, I finally decided to go on the the pill for hormonal birth control. And so I never really developed that regular period. But then when I was on the pill, I was getting the the pseudo period every month regularly, like that was always happening for me. And then at some point, I started to become more holistic mindset based, Um, I started noticing some, some symptoms in my body that after doing some research, um, speaking to like holistic health practitioners and stuff, I felt that it was best to come off of the hormonal birth control. And so that was when Oh, gosh, I think I was about 20. So I would have been on the pill for about three years or so, three, four years, something like that. And I was very much so focused on the physical health symptoms at the time. So that was yeah, that was almost 10 years ago. Oh my gosh. That was almost 10 years ago. I don't, and I was not tuned into my sexuality. I didn't know anything about cycle thinking. I had no awareness about anything like that. So it's hard for me to say if like I had an elevation of consciousness or anything like that. Um, I will say that I did feel a little bit more empowered. Um and ready to leave a relationship that I was in at the time where I just wasn't feeling good to me anymore. But other than that, it was more like, I want to reclaim my health back. Mm -hmm. And so I really felt that hormonal birth control was not the answer for me. And I feel so much relief. Now that I know what I know about cycle syncing, I didn't find out about cycle syncing until I was 26 years old. So now that I know what I know, it's like, I am grateful that I don't have a pseudo period, I'm grateful that I have a natural period where my hormones can do their thing. And that I have that fluctuation of energy, because I really believe it's been in my live my personal lived experience. And based on what you're talking about, as well, you know, we all women have different manifestation superpowers throughout the different Stages of your cycle. And when you're on your period, and I just want to make this clear to any listeners, I don't, this is not a bashing or a shaming at hormonal birth control. You know, you have agency over your own body. You can choose, um, you make that decision for yourself. But I fully believe that when you're on birth control, you somewhat reduce your personal power because you're not getting the full flavor of your hormonal power your hormones were taught to we're taught to demonize our hormones right like oh like oh she's so bitchy because of her hormones or like you know we we say all of these things and make hormones out to be the enemy when in fact our hormones are what are keeping us in a state of thriving or keeping us alive Mm -hmm. primarily but they're giving us these natural rhythms that can help us achieve a state of thriving it's not about shaming them it's about learning how to work with them speaking their language and when you can learn to work with them and harness them and hone into that language then you get to that state of thriving then you start being able to access all of those different flavors of creative energy that are present for you throughout all of the phases of the cycle
1: yeah I love that um and again you know echoing what you said about there's no shame or judgment in being on hormonal birth control I mean we were both on hormonal birth control um and again like I think it comes back to deciding what's right for you um and rather than being told by an external source what's right um there's no right answer it's like thinking about the dishwasher there's no right way to load the dishwasher the right way is is the way that works best for you So, um, but I also agree that I think there is a next level of power that comes when you are able to naturally work with your hormones and have that cyclic experience that we naturally have as women. Um, we are, I talk about being cyclic, like literally in mind, body, and spirit, like we have that ability. And so... Me, that's kind of up leveled um, how I work with clients. You know, I teach them how to sync their nutrition and their movement with their cycles and how to nurture their bodies in a way that ne- they haven't necessarily been taught before. Like, it, I think a lot of the stuff that gets mar- marketed to women um, is the guy centered approach, the linear approach, you know. Um, The goal setting, um, the high intensity interval training, if you're talking about, you know, fitness, the intermittent fasting, if you're talking about nutrition, and it doesn't work for a lot of women, because those things aren't considering women's bodies and are unique Cyclic nature. It's based on a very linear masculine way of doing things. And that's not us. So, guess what? We need to do a different way. And I see a lot of clients come to me because they feel like, you know, they failed, um, they've let themselves down because they've tried to follow these very masculine approaches. And guess what? It hasn't worked. Um, even the idea of consistency and being 100% consistent all the time yes, it's important to kind of have healthy habits, but um, because we're cyclic, that consistency maybe isn't quite there in the same way as a, as a guy. And so we talk about that and what that might look like um, in terms of health and wellness. And so I'm sure you see the same for your clients in that, you know, a lot of us have been sort of told and sold an approach that isn't necessarily working for Um, our natural state as women
0: yes our consistency is cyclical it's fluid it's flexible it waxes and wanes and I think that we really in order to really connect with our power women need to redefine what it means to be consistent and because so every you know If you were to ask someone the meaning of consistency, it's like showing up, doing the thing every day. Well, okay, that's great if you're a man and you only have a circadian rhythm, but that is different when you have an infradian rhythm. Because when you're ovulating, you can probably accomplish twice as what a man can in that one week or in those five days, twice as much as what they can in that one week. But then after that, it's like, oh, your energy has shifted. And now you're more focused to doing other things. And that consistency is going to show up for you in a different way in your life. You're no longer going to be able to do the high intensity workouts. Now that you're moved into the luteal phase, you're going to be more shifting towards um, carb-rich foods versus more like the light fruits, fresh fruits and vegetables that are in your ovulation phase. You're, you're, You're nourishing your body differently and we need to give ourselves permission to explore these different ideas about what it means to be consistent
1: right and ultimately at the end of the day what is your what is your goal with all of this like i think most people would ultimately say the goal is to be healthier um, to have more energy and to just feel better in your body and if like embracing that cyclical nature enables you to do that more than forcing yourself to um, you know do 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 all the time and that's wearing you down making you hungry feeling you making you feel exhausted then i think you know redefining what that consistency means maybe like rather than being dedicated being devoted to your body and asking, like checking in with it, like asking what it needs today, as opposed to going, well, I have to follow this rigid plan to the letter every single time. Um, I think that is something that redefines a woman's health and has the potential to, again, like shift in a lot of areas Um, because you're nurturing yourself consistently um, and therefore able to, you know, follow Amber's amazing program because you're ready you're like fully nourished um when you get to you know the planning stage and the implementation stage of your cycle um you can show up as opposed to being like drained and kind of like like a zombie um which I think I was attracted to the pill because it allowed me to do that um to an extent like I was able to sort of like be a lot more like contained and rigid and um yeah, I, I don't know how to describe it, but it was sort of like I was in like I was able to sort of push myself a lot without sort of worrying about what it looked like underneath and really kind of questioning what I was doing I, I At a deep level, it was all kind of like surface, like keep going, keep going, keep grinding, keep grinding. But at the end of it all, like something's got to give, right? And so, what is that costing you? And is there a better way where we can embrace the idea that maybe our needs differ over the months and maybe we can actually, you know, do this in a way? that's going to help us achieve all of our goals, whether or not it's health, wealth, relationships, but it's not going to burn us out.
0: I feel like what you were describing, the you were having a very masculine relationship with your body, is what I was mm. hearing with yeah. that. I love how you said earlier, you used the word a devotion to self. I feel like that is a more... Hmm a more embracing word, a more
1: mothering, feminine. Yeah. 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 A feminine word. I was gonna say feminine, but
0: I I wasn't quite sure. But yeah, you're you're echoing what my mind was thinking. Yeah, it's a it is a very more feminine word opposed to saying consistent, because consistent is a masculine word. And embracing that feminine part of you, you can you get to have a devotion to yourself and you can be consistent in that devotion but that devotion is it allows for fluidity it allows for that cyclical nature so I'm about 19 weeks pregnant right now and something that I intellectualized before so because um, I didn't know about cycle syncing the first time with my first child. Um, so I was still very, like, blissfully ignorant at the time. But now that I do, I've been very aware of, like, my natural ebbs and flows of energy, paying more attention to that. And it's so fascinating to me because we were coming out of the new moon that was uh, at the tail end of last week. So we were in that new moon phase. And I, before I got pregnant my period was synced up with the new moon. So on the new moon, that was day one of my, of my period. And so I've really been noticing over the past two, three months, out of the first trimester, because let's just be honest here, first trimester is a total write-off for energy. <laughs> but now that I'm like in that Goldilocks phase, I'm feeling more like myself energetically. I'm noticing that I still need to rest a couple of days out of the month, where I just don't do anything where I allow myself to unapologetically rest, take three naps a day, if that's what I got to do. And if I'm supported in doing so with like lifestyle and whatnot, like, if I'm able to take three naps a day and rest, I have to do that, even though I don't have a period right now, like, thinking of it in the menstrual phase or in the menstrual cycle aspect like I'm not I don't have a menstrual cycle right now but just because I don't have a menstrual cycle doesn't mean I'm not a cyclical being anymore I'm still cyclical I'm still influenced by the moon and that's something that I really intellectualized beforehand but now that I don't have that menstrual cycle I'm feeling like I've embodied that knowledge now it's become like this wisdom of like okay yes I'm really feeling that cyclical side of myself and then the full moon that's when I would have been ovulating like I'm like so energized and like (laughs) able to do shit (laughs) like it's (laughs) fascinating to me how much I am influenced by the moon because and so coming back to this idea how I had intellectualized it when I created my program, MMM, I had a section in there called What If I Don't Get a Period? And I mm-hmm. talked about this idea of using the moon as your guidance about working through the 28-day method. But it wasn't it wasn't an embodied knowledge. It, it was something that I had understood, I'd read about, um, but it, it wasn't embodied. And it's so now that I've lived that experience, it feels again, that feeling of validation, like this is true. Like I, this is a lived experience. I've experienced this and I feel much more confident when being able to have those conversations with women. I I currently have a client who's had a radical hysterectomy. So she doesn't have um, a menstrual cycle and being able to relay that to her, like Energy can neither be created nor destroyed. It can only be transmuted. Just because your physical organ isn't there anymore doesn't mean that you no longer have that energy in you. It's just expressing itself a little bit differently. And so it's we are cyclical beings. And I think that is such a beautiful thing. And it helps us to connect back with nature. Coming back to your def- definition mm-hmm. about yep what it even means to be a witch in the first place is coming coming back to nature and recognizing, acknowledging, and honoring the fact that we are beings of nature.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. that that I love how you brought up the topic of, well, what if I don't have a menstrual cycle? Um, and I think, you know, part of your cyclic being is the ability to have a menstrual cycle, sure, but there's that's just part of it. And so I love how you've had that embodied experience of, okay, so what happens when you, when you remove that? Well, you know, the power of the moon is such that you can have that same energetic experience without having a menstrual cycle. Um, And I think there's so much power, first of all, in having an embodied experience, because you can help so many other women once you have experience um just like we were talking about earlier with like the hero's journey or the heroine's journey and I love how you are sharing this so like openly because I feel like there's so much power in us sharing our stories and sharing our experiences with like we're doing right now um because I'm sure that someone listening really relates to what you've just shared you know maybe she's pregnant or she's just gone through a pregnancy or she's just found out that she's pregnant or maybe she's in menopause and no longer bleeds and so I think there's just so much amazing power and wisdom in this whole lived out experience um and I think that's really beautiful so yeah and I think with, I mean, there's maybe sh- is shifting gears a little bit, but with the huge rise in artificial intelligence and technology, um, I think sharing our stories and like lived out experiences is something that technology can't replace. Um, and that's why I love writing and that's why, you know, discussions like, this light me up is because this is such a human thing, um, and that's like what I'm going to continue doing with my books and with my work is yes, there's a component of the sort of like how to and let's like build a a a a system that works for you and you know this is the kind of like doing part, and then there's also like the aspect of being a human being. And, like, let's talk about these things more and let's, like, stop putting judgment on our experiences and shaming ourselves because we're, you know, in a certain place with our bodies or in our lives um, because there's, it's all just wisdom at the end of the day. And that's magic to me. Yeah,
0: yeah. I saw this I think it was a meme or a post or something on Instagram yesterday and it made me laugh so hard talking about AI and that the 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 thing that really separates the the creative nature of e- AI versus a human's creative nature because I think that the technology is developing that they're able to make it so that robots can create right but it's never gonna be par with how human creates because robots don't get horny (laughs) (laughs) oh my goodness
1: that's amazing
0: (laughs) I felt like I had such a breakthrough in thought with that when I read that because it's true (laughs) because creativity is birthed through desire you have to have a desire to create something desire is the the catalyst of manifestation anything that you want to create because manifestation is simply a creative process right it's a tool in your creative process but you have to feel desire in order to successfully manifest something that is going to lead to pleasure pleasure is desire fulfilled and so there's like I've It's just so funny because when I think about, like, you know, earlier in our conversation, we were talking about, you know, can you feel pleasure? Can you feel desire? Women have been taught to shy away from the feeling of desire, meaning that like we've been shut off from the feeling of being safe in our horniness. And that really like can feel That desire, that horniness, that, um, you know, that whatever you want to call it, that energy, that sacral energy or that root energy, when you feel it like budding inside of you, that is, that's your power, right? And a robot could never have that, never. But that is where sustainable, purposeful, pleasureful manifestations originate from. It's from that feeling of desire. Whereas if you're manifesting from the energy of judgment or feeling like you have to, you, like the should, you said, the, you said you shouldn't say should earlier, <laughs> the should energy, yeah. <clears throat> it's going to keep you in that cycle of burnout. And it's going to keep you feeling, um, you talked about the black hole. So like feeling this like, void that is never gonna experience fulfillment because there was no origin of desire. The desire has to be there first in order for you to achieve the sense of fulfillment, which is, it's the pleasure. The pleasure is the fulfillment.
1: And so, yeah, yeah. (laughs) I love how that's like the secret magical ingredient that like we have. Is the pleasure like I can literally kind of like feel that sort of like it's a little like sprinkling of pleasure that mm-hmm. just kind of like sets off the our manifestation ability that sets off our um you you mentioned like colors earlier when we were talking about sort of like um coming off of the pill like it brightens our experience of life is that kind of like the pleasure um so yeah oh maybe that's maybe that's another book reclaim the <laughs> pleasure
0: <laughs> oh i love that you know and think about think about some of our most beautiful manifestations our children if a woman is in a safe fulfilling loving relationship pleasure and desire were very likely the origin of the manifestation of that child. <laughs> in, yeah. And my hope is that in most cases, that that is how a child is brought to life is through pleasure. And, and then we get on the topic of like orgasmic manifestation and how like a woman like when she is experiencing a climax, she's literally brought into an altered state of consciousness where she's able to access more confidence more creativity all of this like amazing budding powerful energy that makes her feel more powerful and capable and have a stronger sense of identity have a heightened sense of self-worth and value all of those things are found in our orgasmic nature as well one of my friends recently told me that she is, she's not orgasmic and she doesn't believe that she ever has been. And, you know, looking at this from a deeply compassionate lens and thinking about, you know, everything that we've just discussed here and how she's hasn't in her adult life, hasn't always been in a great place. And I truly believe when she told me that she wasn't orgasmic, like that answers a lot actually, and completely coming from that place of compassion, not a place of judgment or anything like that. It was like, okay, like I'm I'm seeing you, I'm witnessing you in that. I want that for you. And can that just not be weird? Can it Can it be a beautiful thing that I want my friend, my greatest friend to be orgasmic? Like, isn't that a beautiful wish for somebody? I want her to be able to achieve that because I know what would then be accessible to her if she could achieve that orgasmic state.
1: Yeah, a hundred percent. I think that's, it's so interesting that there's kind of like, you noticed a correlation. And again, I, I believe, again, coming from a place of compassion is that, it can come, th- I think everyone has the potential to feel deep, deep levels of pleasure, but maybe we shut ourselves off to that um, and for different reasons. Um, and I think, you know, being able to look at it from the outside as a friend and be like, I know that, you know, you are capable of this and i want you to have this experience is so like again like it's so nurturing and you know again it's her journey and it's her choice but having a a i call it a cheer squad but like a community of women around you who is able to hold that space that she felt safe enough to tell you this is so so huge because another aspect i think of this whole picture is that women have been taught to like not share with one another and to almost have this distrust in one another i mean we talked about the witch wound part of that is women were forced in the witch trials to turn against one another because if they didn't you know rat out their sister they would be burnt at the stake or hung or drowned or whatever it was and I think like just being able to hold a container for women to say you know I'm here for you whenever whatever parts of yourself you want to reclaim remember like I'm here and and be able to provide that is just so beautiful and so healing for everybody
0: yeah I 100% agree the community found in other women matters it matters so much because in my experience in working with clients the number one obstacle that stops women from being able to manifest the wealth that they truly desire that they know deep down that they deserve they desire to have is a fear of judgment fear Mm -hmm. of judgment from the whole world but especially from other women, and it's coming back to that witch wound. Because look at the way that we talk about women that are wealthy. Oh, she's a successful businesswoman. Must not have the responsibility of being a mother to hold her back. Oh, she is a mother. What does she just throw her kids in daycare all day while she boss babes it up? Then your kids are being raised by somebody else just so that she can have a just so she can have a career and make money. Like that is so judgmental. We fear the judgment of being seen in the identity of a woman who can not only obtain wealth, but maintain wealth. And so that's one of the things I'm really passionate about with my MMM program is that I'm cultivating a community of women that are all like minded and that can practice coming to a call where we're all here working towards the same thing, practice being seen in that identity practice sharing your wins unapologetically, taking up space, the practice of taking up space. And likewise, sharing your struggles, practice yeah. sharing your shadow sides and feeling the healing of the nourishment of the women that you surround them yourself with. That is so critical, so important. And I, I really believe that it's a vital aspect of being able to cultivate wealth in all of its forms. Cause you're building that social, social connection, that social wealth, all of these things, they are supportive for you. And there's, there's something magical when women come together to manifest.
1: Mm. Yeah. It's, it's how it used to be, you know, with the, the red tent and, yeah. you know, when women used to gather and, um bleed together and really take that time to have, have those intuitive downloads and to create and when they were revered. um and so can we just can we just go back to <laughs> to honoring one another and honoring our bodies I just love that and I love that you're creating the space for women to do that so just like mm. huge high fives to you ah. creating that
0: Thank you. Thank you for witnessing me in that.
1: Of course. Yeah.
0: <laughs> uh, this feels like a, this feels like a natural conclusion to me. I feel I feel good coming to this part here. I'd love to open up the floor to you and ask, invite you to share how our listeners can connect with you. Because as you were saying before we got started recording, we both have evolved a little bit since the last time that we got together for recording, which was like almost exactly a year ago, by the way. Oh, really? Uh, oh, my yeah. Goodness. I know, that's wild. Um, Yeah, please, like, share with us where can we uh, pre-order your book or order your book. Um, All of that stuff before is yours, Lizzie.
1: Thank you. Well, again, thank you for having me. And I have a copy of my book here, so for Mm -hmm. people who are, like... Actually, watching the, the um, video recording of this, this is Reclaim the Witch. She is available for pre-order uh, from reclaimthewitch.com. Um, and as my bonus gift to you, when you um, pre-order her, I am gifting you a um, a little sample of Reclaim the Witch, Witch's Brew tea, which is a hormone supportive tea um, that's going to help you just align in mind, body and spirit throughout your um, cycle. And so that's Claim the witch she's going to be available on October the well she's published October 31st but as I say she is available pre-order right now um and then if you just want to connect with me um say hi best place is Instagram my handle is at nutrition by Lizzie Mm. okay
0: I love that your book's coming out on Halloween yeah
1: (laughs) (laughs) I was looking at dates and um, in the publishing industry they kind of recommend that you publish on like a Tuesday or Wednesday so Reclaim the Rebel um, was published on a Tuesday and I was like oh I knew that I wanted to um, publish Reclaim the Witch on Halloween um, but it turns out that Halloween is a Tuesday this year so I was like oh done perfect. How
0: synchronistic. yes <laughs> oh i am i gotta tell you i'm so proud of you for releasing now your second book i think that is amazing i'm supporting of you and witnessing you in this and excited to watch your journey over the last year as we have stayed connected um online and loving that for you and so glad that we could come back and collaborate together
1: Thank you so much, Amber. And I'm excited to continue to do so over the the next year. What's that, yeah. that going to bring?
0: Maybe we'll make it an annual thing.
1: <laughs> yeah, <laughs> let's do that.
0: <laughs> oh Well, thank you for being here today. And listeners, I look forward to connecting with you on the next episode. Thank you so much for listening to this week's episode. Each message that I share is enriched with expansive, passionate, and purposeful energy. If you felt awakened to your evolution, please pass on that energy by downloading, subscribing, and sharing on your favorite social platform. Click the links in this episode to enroll in the Wealth Witch Freebie Library and subscribe to the Wealth Witch email list to receive updates about the podcast and all of my offerings. Be sure to follow at the.wealthwitch on TikTok and Instagram for more daily and easily digestible messages that awaken your inherent abundance. I'm sending you so much love and gratitude and I look forward to sharing more with you in the next episode. That's it for now, boo. Now go make some fucking magic.